chapter 27 defeating temptation second timothy 2:22 run away from anything that gives you the evil thoughts but stay close to anything that makes you want to do right first corinthians 10:13 remember that the temptations that come into your life are not different from what others experience and god is faithful he will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it when you're tempted he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it there is always a way out you may sometimes feel that a temptation is too overpowering for you to bear but that's a lie from satan god has promised never to allow more on you than he has put within you to handle it he will not permit any temptation that you could not overcome however you must do your part too by practicing four biblical keys to defeating temptation. 1. Refocus your attention on something else. It may surprise you that nowhere in the Bible are we told to resist temptation. We are told to resist the devil, but that is a very different thing as I'll explain later. Instead, we are advised to refocus our attention because resisting a thought doesn't work. It only intensifies our focus on the wrong thing and strengthens its allure. Let me explain. Every time you try to block a thought out of your mind, you drive it deeper into your memory. By resisting it, you actually reinforce it. This is especially true with temptation. You don't defeat temptation by fighting the feeling of it. The more you fight a feeling, the more it consumes and controls you. You strengthen it every time you think it. Since temptation always begins with a thought, the quickest way to neutralize its allure is to turn your attention to something else. Don't fight the thought, just change the channel of your mind and get interested in another idea. This is the first step in defeating temptation. The battle for sin is won or lost in your mind. Whatever gets your attention will get you. That's why Job said, "I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust upon a young woman." And David prayed, "Keep me from paying attention to what is worthless." Have you ever watched a food advertisement on television and suddenly felt you hungry? Have you ever had someone cough and immediately felt the need to clear your throat? Ever watch someone release a big yawn and felt the urge to yawn yourself? You may be yawning right now as you read this. That is the power of suggestion. We naturally move toward whatever we focus our attention on. The more you think about something, the stronger it takes hold of you. That is why repeating, I must stop eating too much or stop smoking or stop lasting is a self-defeating strategy. It keeps you focused on what you don't want. It's like announcing, "I'm never going to do what my mom did." You are setting yourself up to repeat it. Most diets don't work because they keep you thinking about food all the time, guaranteeing that you'll be hungry. In the same way, a speaker who keeps repeating to herself, "Don't be nervous," sets herself up to be nervous. Instead, she should focus on anything except her feelings. on god on the importance of her speech or on the needs of those listening temptation begins by capturing your attention what gets your attention arouses your emotions 
then your emotions activate your behavior and you act on what you felt the more you focus on i don't want to do this the stronger it draws you into its web ignoring a temptation is far more effective than fighting it once your mind is on something else the temptation loses its power so when temptation calls you on the phone don't argue with it just hang up sometimes this means physically leaving a tempting situation this is one time it's okay to run away get up and turn off the te- television set walk away from a group that is gossiping leave the theater in the middle of the movie to avoid being stung stay away from the bees do whatever is necessary necessary to turn your attention to something else spiritually your mind is your most vulnerable organ to reduce temptation keep your mind occupied with god's word and other good thoughts you defeat bad thoughts by thinking of something better this is the principle of replacement you overcome evil with good satan can't get your attention when your mind is preoccupied with something else that's why the bible repeatedly tells us to keep our minds focused fix your thoughts on jesus always think about jesus christ fill your mind with those things that are good and that deserve praise things that are true noble right pure lovely and honorable if you're serious about defeating temptation you must manage your mind and monitor your media intake the wisest man who ever lived one be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts don't allow trash into your mind indiscriminately be selective choose carefully what you think about follow paul's model we capture every thought and make it give up and obey christ this takes a lifetime of practice but with the help of the holy spirit you can reprogram the way you think 2 reveal your struggle to a godly friend or a support group you don't have to broadcast it to the whole world but you need at least one person you can honestly share your struggles with the bible says you are better off to have a friend than to be all alone if you fall your friend can help you up but if you fall without having a friend nearby you are really, really in trouble let me be clear if you're losing the battle against a persistent bad habit an addiction or a temptation and you're stuck in a repeating cycle of good intention failure guilt you will not get better on your own you need the help of other people some temptations are only overcome with the help of a partner who prays for you encourages you and holds you accountable god's plan for your growth and freedom includes other christians authentic honest fellowship is the antidote to your lonely struggle against those sins that won't budge god says it is the only way you're going to break free confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed do you really want to be healed of that persistent temptation that keeps defeating you over and over god's solution is plain don't repress it confess it don't conceal it reveal it revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing hiding your heart only intensifies it problems grow in the dark and become bigger and bigger 
but when exposed to the light of truth, they shrink. You are only as sick as your secrets. So take off your mask, stop pretending you're perfect, and walk into freedom. At Saddleback Church, we have seen the awesome power of this principle to break the grip of seemingly hopeless addictions and persistent temptations through a program we developed called Celebrate Recovery. It is a biblical eight-step recovery process based on the beatitudes of Jesus and built around small support groups. In the past 10 years, over 5,000 lives have been set free from all kinds of habits, hearts, and addictions. Today, the program is used in thousands of churches. I highly recommend it for your church. Satan wants you to think that your sin and temptation are unique, so you must keep them a secret. The truth is, we are all in the same boat. We all fight the same temptations, and all of us have sinned. Millions have felt what you're feeling and have faced the same struggles you're facing right now. The reason we hide our faults is pride. We want others to think we have everything under control. The truth is, whatever you can't talk about is already out of control in your life. Problems with your finances, marriage, kids, thoughts, sexuality, sex habits, secret habits, or anything else. If you could handle it on your own, you would have already done so, but you can't. Willpower and personal resolutions aren't enough. Some problems are too ingrained, too habitual, and too big to solve on your own. You need a small group or an accountability partner who will encourage you, support you, pray for you, love you unconditionally, and hold you accountable. Then you can do the same for them. Whenever someone confides to me, I've never told this to anyone until now, I get excited for that person because I know they are about to experience great relief and liberation. The pressure valve is going to be released and for the first time, they are going to see a glimmer of hope for their future. It always happens when we do that, when we do what God tells us to do by admitting our struggles to a godly friend. Let me ask you a tough question. What are you pretending isn't a problem in your life? What are you afraid to talk about? You're not going to solve it on your own. Yes, it is humbling to admit our weaknesses to others, but lack of humility is the very thing that is keeping you from getting better. The Bible says, God sets himself against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. 3. Resist the devil. After we have humbled ourselves and submitted to God, we are then told to defy the devil. The rest of James 4.7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We don't passively resign ourselves to his attacks. We are to fight back. The New Testament often describes the Christian life as a spiritual battle against evil forces, using war terms such as fight, conquer, strive, and overcome. Christians are often compared to soldiers serving in enemy territory. How can we resist the devil? Paul tells us, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The first step is to accept God's salvation. You won't be able to say no to the devil unless you said yes to Christ. Without Christ, we are defenseless against the devil 
but with the helmet of salvation, our minds are protected by God. Remember this, if you're a believer, Satan cannot force you to do anything. He can only suggest. Second, you must use the word of God as your weapon against Satan. Jesus modeled this when he was tempted in the wilderness. Every time Satan suggested a temptation, Jesus countered by quoting scripture. He didn't argue with Satan. He didn't say, I'm not hungry, when tempted to use his power to meet a personal need. He simply quoted scripture from memory. We must do the same. There is power in God's word and Satan fears it. Don't ever try to argue with the devil. He is better at arguing than you are, having had thousands of years to practice. You can't bluff Satan with logic or your own opinion, but you can use the weapon that makes him tremble, the truth of God. This is why memorizing scripture is absolutely essential to defeating temptation. You have quick assets to eat whenever you are tempted. Like Jesus, you have the truth stored in your heart and ready to be remembered. If you don't have any Bible verses memorized, you've got no bullets in your gun. I challenge you to memorize one verse a week for the rest of your life. Imagine how much stronger you'll be. 4. Realize your vulnerability. God warns us never to get cocky and overconfident. That is the receipt for disaster. Jeremiah said, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. That means we are good at fooling ourselves. Given the right circumstances, any of us are capable of any sin. We must never let down our guard and think we are beyond temptation. Don't carelessly replace your, yourself in tempting situations. Avoid them. Remember that it is easier to stay out of temptation than to get out of it. The Bible says, Don't be so naive and self-confident. You are not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God's confidence. Day 27. Thinking about my purpose. Point to ponder. There is always a way out. Verse to remember. 1 Corinthians 10, 13b. God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. Question to consider. Who could I ask to be a spiritual partner to help me defeat a persistent temptation by praying for me? Chapter 28. It takes time. Ecclesiastes 3.1 Everything on earth has its own time and its own season. Philippians 1.6 I am sure that God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ returns. There are no shortcuts to maturity. It takes years for us to grow to adulthood and it takes a full season for fruit to mature and ripen. The same is true for the fruit of the Spirit. The development of Christ's like character cannot be rushed. Spiritual growth, like physical growth, takes time. When you try to ripen fruit quickly, it loses its flavor. In America, tomatoes are usually picked and ripened so they won't bruise during shipping to the stores. Then, before they are sold, these green tomatoes are sprayed with 
CO2 gas to turn them red instantly. Gas tomatoes are edible, but they are no match to the flavor of vine-ripened tomato that is allowed to mature slowly. While we worry about how fast we grow, God is concerned about how strong we grow. God views our lives from and for eternity, so he is never in a hurry. Lane Adams once compared the process of spiritual growth to the strategy the Ellis used in World War II to liberate islands in the South Pacific. First, they will soften up an island, weakening the resistance by shelling the enemy's strongholds with bombs from offshore ships. Next, a small group of marines will invade the island and establish a beachhead, a tiny fragment of the island that they could control. Once the beachhead was secured, they will begin the long process of liberating the rest of the island, one bit of territory at a time. Eventually, the entire island will be brought under control, but not without some costly battles. Adam drew this parallel. Before Christ invades our life at conversion, he sometimes has to soften us up by allowing problems we can't handle. While some open their lives to Christ the first time he knocks on the door, most of us are resistant and defensive. Our pre-conversion experience is Jesus saying, Behold, I stand at the door and bomb. The moment you open yourself to Christ, God gets a beachhead in your life. You may think you have surrendered all your life to him, but the truth is, there is a lot to your life that you aren't even aware of. You can only give God as much as you understand at that moment. That's okay. Once Christ is given a beachhead, he begins to campaign to take over more and more territory until all of your life is completely his. There will be struggles and battles, but the outcome will never be in doubt. God has promised that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Discipleship is the process of conforming to Christ. The Bible says we arrive at real maturity, that measure of development which is meant by the fullness of Christ. Christ-likeness is your eventual destination, but your journey will last a lifetime. So far we have seen that this journey involves believing through worship, belonging through fellowship, and becoming through discipleship. Every day God wants you to become a little more like him. You have begun to live the new life in which you are being made new and are becoming like the one who made you. Today, we are obsessed with speed, but God is more interested in strength and stability than sweet swiftness. We want the quick fix, the shortcut, the on-the-spot solution. We want a sermon, a seminar, or an experience that will instantly resolve all problems, remove all temptation, and release us from all growing pains. But real maturity is never the result of a single experience, no matter how powerful or moving. Growth is gradual. The Bible says, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Why does it take so long? Although God could instantly transform us, he has chosen to develop us slowly. Jesus is deliberate in developing his disciples. 
just as God allowed the Israelites to take over the promised land little by little, so they wouldn't be overwhelmed, he prefers to work in incremental steps in our lives. Why does it take so long to change and grow up? There are several reasons. 1. We are slow learners. We often have to relearn a lesson 40 or 50 times to really get it. The problems keep recurring and we think, not again, I've already learned that, but God knows better. The history of Israel illustrates how quickly we forget the lessons God teaches us and how soon we revert to our old patterns of behavior. We need repeated exposure. 2. We have a lot to unlearn. Many people go to a counselor with a personal or relational problem that took years to develop and say, I need you to fix me. I've got an hour. They naively expect a quick solution to a long-standing, deep-rooted difficulty. Since most of our problems and all of our bad habits didn't develop overnight, it's unrealistic to expect them to go away immediately. There is no pill, prayer, or principle that will instantly undo the damage of many years. It requires the hard work of removal and replacement. The Bible calls it taking off the old self and putting on the new self. While you are given a brand new nature at the moment of conversion, you still have old habits, patterns, and practices that need to be removed and replaced. 3. We are afraid to humbly face the truth about ourselves. I have already pointed out that the truth will set us free, but it often makes us miserable first. The fear of what we might discover if we honestly face our character defects keep us living in the prison of denial. Only as God is allowed to shine the light of truth on our faults, failures, and hang-ups can we begin to work on them. This is why you cannot grow without a humble, teachable attitude. 4. Growth is often painful and scary. There is no growth without change. There is no change without fear or loss, and there is no loss without pain. Every change involves a loss of some kind. You must let go of old ways in order to experience the new. We fear these losses, even if our old ways were self-defeating because, like a worn-out pair of shoes, they were at least comfortable and familiar. People often build their identity around their defects. We say, it's just like me to be, and it's just the way I am. The unconscious worry is that if I let go of my habit, my heart, or my hang-up, who will I be? This fear can definitely slow down your growth. 5. Habits take time to develop. Remember that your character is the sum total of your habits. You can't claim to be kind unless you're habitually kind. You show kindness without even thinking about it. You can't claim to have integrity unless it is your habit to always be honest. A husband who is faithful to his wife most of the time is not faithful at all. Your habits define your character. There is only one way to develop the habits of Christ-like character. You must practice and that takes time. There are no instant habits. Paul urged Timothy, practice these things. 
devote your life to them so that everyone can see your progress. If you practice something over time, you get good at it. Repetition is the mother of character and skill. These character, character building habits are often called spiritual disciplines and there are dozens of great books that can teach you how to do this. See Appendix 2 for a recommended reading list of books for spiritual growth. Don't get in a hurry. As you grow to spiritual maturity, there are several ways to cooperate with God in the process. 1. Believe God is working in your life even when you don't feel it. Spiritual growth is sometimes tedious work, one small step at a time. Expect gradual improvement. The Bible says, everything on earth has its own time and its own season. There are seasons in your spiritual life too. Sometimes you will have a short, intense burst of growth, springtime, followed by a period of stabilizing and testing, that is fall and winter. What about those problems, habits and hurts you would like miraculously removed? It's fine to pray for a miracle. But don't be disappointed if the answer comes through a gradual change. Over time, a slow, steady stream of water will erode the hardest rock and turn giant boulders into pebbles. Over time, a little sprout can turn into a giant redwood tree towering 350 tall. 2. Keep a notebook or journal of lessons learned. This is not a diary of events, but a record of what you are learning. Write down the insights and life lessons God teaches you about Him, about yourself, about life, relationships, and everything else. Record this so you can review and remember them and pass them on to the next generation. The reason we must relearn lessons is that we forget them. Reviewing your spiritual journal regularly can spare you a lot of unnecessary pain and heartache. The Bible says it, it's crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we've had so that we don't drift off. 3. Be patient with God and with yourself. One of life's frustrations is that God's timetable is really the same as ours. We are often in a hurry when God isn't. You may feel frustrated with the seemingly slow progress you're making in life. Remember that God is never in a hurry, but He is always on time. He will use your entire lifetime to prepare you for your role in eternity. The Bible is filled with examples of how God uses a long process to develop character, especially in leaders. He took 80 years to prepare Moses, including 40 in the wilderness. For 14,600 days, Moses kept waiting and wondering, is it time yet? But God kept saying, not yet. Contrary to popular book titles, there are no easy steps to maturity or secrets of instant sainthood. When God wants to make a mushroom, he does it overnight. But when he wants to make a giant oak, he takes a hundred years. Great souls are grown through struggles and storms and seasons of suffering. Be patient with the process. James advised, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed. 4. Don't get discouraged. 
when Habakkuk became depressed because he didn't think God was acting quickly enough, God had this to say. These things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it, if it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. A delay is not a denial from God. Remember how far you've come, not just how far you have to go. You are not where you want to be, but neither are you where you used to be. Years ago, people, were, people wore a popular button with the letters P-G-P-G-I-N-F-W-M-Y. It stood for, please be patient, God is not finished with me yet. God isn't finished with you either, so keep on moving forward. Even the snail reached the ark by persevering. Day 28. Thinking about my purpose. Point to ponder. There are no shortcuts to maturity. Verse to remember. Philippians 1.6 God began doing a good work in you, and I am sure he will continue it until it is finished when Jesus Christ comes again. Question to consider. In what area of my spiritual growth do I need to be more patient and persistent?